I know that some people say the idea of a law of nature or decent behavior known to all men is unsound because different civilizations and different ages have had quite different moralities, but they haven't. They have only had slightly different moralities. Just think what a quite different morality would mean. Think of a country where people were admired for running away in battle or where a man felt proud of double-crossing all the people who had been kindest to him. You might just as well try to imagine a country where two and two made five. Men have differed as regards what people you ought to be unselfish to whether it was only your own family or your fellow countrymen or everyone, but they have always agreed that you oughtn't to put yourself first. Selfishness has never been admired. Men have differed to, as to whether you should have one wife or four, but they have always agreed that you mustn't simply have any woman you liked. But the most remarkable thing is this. Whenever you find a man who says he doesn't believe in a real right and wrong, you will find the same man going back on this a moment later. He may break his promise to you, but if you try to break one to him, he'll be complaining. It's not fair. Before you can say Jack Robinson, <clears throat> a nation may say treaties don't matter, but the next minute they spoil their case by saying that the particular treaty they want to break was an unfair one. But if treaties don't matter, and if there's no such thing as right and wrong, in other words, if there is no law of nature, what is the difference between a fair treaty and an unfair one? Haven't they given away the fact that whatever they say, they really know the law of nature just like anyone else? Welcome to For His Namesake. Episode number two. So, as we started this segment, you heard me read C.S. Lewis from the original book, which was called Broadcast Talks, and eventually would be developed into a book, a wonderful book, which I highly recommend every Christian should read. It's up there with Pilgrim's Progress called Mere Christianity. Um, it's going to contrast uh, the rest of our talk, um, which of course is the loss of absolutes in the image of God. So we're going to go ahead and start out with a passage here, um, which will give us, of course, a foundation for the image of God. Um, and concerning the loss of it uh, in today's perception in society. The loss of it as a society that has become more postmodern and relativistic than any of us, I think, would have ever imagined. Um, which, of course, developed from the 1960s and uh, came from Eastern thought and a lot of other things that sort of introduced this sort of paradigm and this uh, false perception into, um, unfortunately, what we're now seeing <clears throat> play out in various ways throughout the country. But Jesus had something to say about this, and he had something to say about it a little bit more than I think I ever really kind of realized until I heard Robbie Zacharias talk about it. So, uh, of course, if you're not familiar with Robbie Zacharias, um, he just passed away, graduated to glory. I think it's been about maybe three or four months now. Um, went home to the Lord. I believe he died of cancer, unfortunately, uh, in his spine. And, uh, it was a tumor that was pressing anyone to have surgery and, uh, wasn't much they could do it was pretty much malignant. And, uh, unfortunately, it took one of the greats home. And, uh, we are definitely, uh, in debt to the work the Lord did through him. And this being, uh, something along those lines. And so, one of the things that 
I like to talk about, and you can find it on YouTube as well, and of course he'll explain it far better than I can, but I'd like to tease out the idea. That's found in uh, Matthew 22, 15. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar, or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness, and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image on the superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. When they heard these words, they marveled, and left him, and went their way. So, it's an interesting sort of thing that Robbie breaks down on this, and I had to listen to it again to remind me. Um, the Imagu Dei, the image of God. And what we could simplify this essentially and basically break it down to basically Jesus asking the question, whose image is on this coin? And of course they say Caesar's. Well, then who does that coin belong to? Well, Caesar. They pay tribute to Caesar with a coin that has Caesar's vase on it. Okay? And, and, Therefore, sort of saying, in, in a sense, well, his image is on it, therefore it belongs to him. Well, whose image is on you? Well, Imagu Dei, you're made in the image of God. And if you're made in the image of God, who do you belong to? So think about that. Who do you belong to, made in the image of God? Now... I think that's enough to sort of give us a perception, a quick perception of in as much as concerning the loss of the image of God in society and just the basic understanding of it. I mean, if you really think about it, society at one time really sort of understood basic natural laws to some degree or another. This country was built upon Judeo-Christian values, um, Two pillars, if you will. One had uh, Jerusalem on one side, and the other perhaps was built upon uh, Greece and Athens, or Roman Athens, you might say, as far as our governmental understanding goes. You know, in fact, if I recall correctly, I don't remember who exactly said this. It may have been Benjamin Franklin. But it was something to the effect of what kind of society have you given us mr franklin a woman asked as she he had left uh, giving a talk and he answered a republic man ma'am if you can keep it and i think what he was basically saying was it's up to every generation to recognize the tracks laid by its forefathers you understand and the more we lose the image of god in society the understanding that every life is sacred and valuable simply because of where it came from. See, so many times in, in life, we want to base our judgment on people, not so much on whose image they're made in or, or even where they're coming from, but as Christians even, pray tell, do you base 
how you think about people on where they're going. You see, I think so many times, sometimes Christians are guilty of this as well, and we'll get to the, the, the other side of this as well, believe me. But um, just as a quick side point, I think that we should all be very careful if we fall into the trap of thinking of others as, not that I, I believe too many fall for this, but in case you do, fall for, well, they're headed to hell anyway. What does it matter? Well, they deserve hell. Now, pray tell, that's true, but so do you and so do I. We all deserve hell. None of us deserve heaven. This is not a meritorious system. You cannot earn heaven. You understand? We're all born into iniquity. Okay? Every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. James 2.10 says you broke one, you broke them all. Meaning the law of God, of course. Right? But the only sin that cannot be forgiven, of course, is the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Right? So what is it that they'll be guilty of on Judgment Day most of all? Besides not keeping the law? of the Ten Commandments, they'll also be guilty of one major sin, which was the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit not receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. That's where we come in, to remind them the image that they're made in, where they came from, just as Jesus did with the Pharisees. Yes, we come across many legalistic folks nowadays that think mighty highly of themselves, right? In fact, I believe it says even in Psalms, and, and Ray Comfort reminds us of this very often, that every man right, preaches his own goodness, that every man thinks himself good, right, but we know better as Christians, we know that there be no good in us but Jesus Christ, that if it was left up to us, apart from the new nature, we would pretty much just go about our lives living as if we weren't made in the image of God, and so what do you expect from a society that continually betrays the image that which it's made in, well, what does this resolve, what are the implications of living like this, well, it's really simple, folks, we see it playing out day by day, don't we? We see it when people burn buildings down. We see it when people hold ideologies that don't believe that you're made in the image of God. And we see the implications of that, don't we? Played out day by day. And we wonder what's going on here. Well, when you remove the image of God, you also remove the idea of the understanding of the natural law or at the very least absolutes. Right? The Ten Commandments, as it's been said as well, that if you deny the Ten Commandments, right? The implication is you're going to have to create law after law after law to fulfill those void areas that which society is not performing within the context of those absolutes. Thou shall not kill or thou shall not murder. Thou shall not rape or, um, well, of course, rape, that's adultery. I've said it's a given. Um, shall not commit adultery. Thou shall not lie um, or bear false witness, right? So, I mean... Just think about it. Just even a few of those absolutes, right? Just a few of those absolutes. You know, constantly, anytime a politician's opening their mouth, what happens? Lies come out. Well, the Bible's pretty serious about bearing false witnesses. All liars have their part in the lake of fire, right? Well, of course. But think about this as well. When Satan fell from heaven, and this sort of just, I was thinking about this today. One of the things that, obviously, yes, we know what Ezekiel says, that he fell from heaven and so forth. But it was his pride that lifted him up. I think there may have been a little bit of jealousy. And you take this for a grain of salt. I think there may have been a little bit of jealousy. That we're made in the image of God. And the angels are not. That we're made and held special to the Lord God. And that the angels are his servants. And we don't know specifically how he feels about them. You know, um, we don't want to, we don't want to uh, get too far down that, that rabbit trail or anything like that. But 
nonetheless, I think there may have been a little bit of jealousy on his part, on Satan's part, and that definitely, probably, I'm guessing, played a pretty big role into his eviction from heaven, right? So, at the very least. And so, when we see what's going on today, and we connect the bigger dots. So, as I was listening to another podcast today by uh, a wonderful, wonderful brother in the Lord, as well as just an amazing uh, mind. Uh, man, you guys should listen to this guy. <laughs> you know, much more than myself, man. This this guy is just, just awesome. Uh, he's a little bit heady, but um, all in, in all the best ways. I mean, the guy's just got an anointing. When he talks, though, it's very, like I say, heady or or sort of high-minded, if you will. It's very well-educated, but yet, at the same time, he just he, he speaks in a way that just reaches your soul. The Holy Spirit really uses him, I think. And um, it's a, a man on a show on po- on the podcast called uh, Young Heretics. I just I highly recommend him. Look him up on podcast, whatever podcast you use, called Young Heretics. The guy is just amazing. And um, he was talking about today, he had a guest on today, I believe it was his new episode. And he was talking about music. And the guy that he had happened to have had on today is a composer for movies and such. And um, you can listen to this episode for yourself. But this is kind of what the Lord was sort of showing me as I was listening to it today at work. And the interesting thing is, once again, resolving back to uh, absolutes, the idea of absolutes and so forth. And that within the context of music, they were talking about how, well, you know, in music, there's absolutes. There's pentatonic scale, there's... Um, you know, uh, D majors and there's, there's, you know, A minors and all these different various root notes and different things. And, you know, you can mix it up, you can move it around, but there's always going to be some kind of a rhythm. There's always going to be some kind of a context where you have to follow some kind of a pattern for it to make any sense. Some kind of a chord structure, right? This gets into music theory and things like that. You have other guys, there was a great Ted talk. I don't know how many months, maybe a couple years ago now, I forget the gentleman's name. I'm sure you could find him, but he believed in experimentation with music, which is always neat. You know, I believe in experimentation with music to some degree as well, but not to the point where it begins to, of course, lose its meaning or its beauty. And one of the interesting things they were talking about uh, within this TED talk was this gentleman was saying, you know, what would happen if I made music just without any real direction, any real absolutes? Basically, he wanted to really sort of discover or look into a way of making music in sort of a postmodern, relativistic way. And it just reminds me once again of that Robbie Zacharias thing where he's talking about this, where an architect shows up and, and they're talking about Frank Lloyd Wright. And there was a gentleman who was talking about, well, you know, um, you should check out this other house. And I forget the guy, the architect that had made this house, but it's supposed to be basically a vision of postmodernism. And he's looking at the house and he looks and he goes, well, you know, it's great. But I'd hate to be worried, or I'd hate to um, hate to know what you've done with the foundation. In other words, what what are you building the scaffolding on, right? What are you what are you actually um, sort of um, structuring this with, if you will? What is the absolute that's holding this thing together, basically? And within music, it's sort of the same idea. You know, you can have an idea of a way you want to uh, you you would like a song uh, to go, if you will, a certain chord structure. But this guy in the TED Talk was just doing away with all of that and basically saying, what if it was just like a cacophony of music, right? And they actually have a name for this. I forget it's like innocuous or, or, or something that sounds kind of like that. They talk about it in Young Heretics. Um, but nonetheless, and it's just noise. There is no structure. There is nothing. And there's something about that that we 
as as human beings just don't grab onto. It doesn't make sense. And I think it comes from the scripture says that the Lord would desires everything to be done in decency and in order. And not to take that out of context, of course, he's talking about the church. Uh, and I think that he also is not the God of confusion. So he desires that we do things with an order, with an order and disciplined, of course, uh, to the glory of God. There's nothing wrong with spontaneity. Of course, there's spontaneity in life, and that's wonderful as well. But yet it's orchestrated, uh, nevertheless, by the God of absolutes, right? Mm-hmm. So um, essentially what I'm, what I'm getting at here is, is they were talking about within this, this context is that there's something in us that desires the image of God, once again, that desires these absolutes. Uh, we have a conscience, which, of course, we have the law, which is written on our hearts, right? It talks about in Romans that every human being knows when they've done wrong. You have a conscience, right? And the more you deny that conscience, there's even a risk of being given over to a reprobate at some point. Where that line is, we don't know. We don't want to find out, I'll tell you that much. But you can even be given over to the point where you no longer even really have a conscience. That's basically what a sociopath is. Um, we have... People now, unfortunately, once again, back to the the general point here, as we continue to lose these absolutes and we think that we find freedom in them as a society, we think that by running the opposite direction, if you will, by getting rid of the image of God, by getting rid of the recognition of absolutes, that we become more free. When yet it's the word that makes it very clear to us that sin is what entangles us and ensnares us and makes us a slave. See, but society doesn't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that they're slaves to sin. They don't want to hear that they're slaves to their desires and to their passions and to their flesh. Because they think that those things, right, like Chesterton said so so well, right, is two points, uh, two great Chesterton quotes. One is, of course, I've mentioned in, in the first podcast, which is, meaninglessness does not come from growing weary of pain. Meaninglessness comes from growing weary of pleasure. You see, obviously, uh, read the book of Ecclesiastes to get more clarity on this. And, of course, Proverbs as well uh, makes it very clear. Meaninglessness comes basically uh, driven from the idea that you can be good without God, right? See, people don't understand a lot of times, and, and I really wish people would preach on this more. It's not just that we're made in the image of God. It's that we don't find fulfillment in life apart from him. It is literally impossible because... It's like you've got to go back to the instructions. And the instructions say that you were created for one purpose, one single solitary purpose. It's not to make money. It's not to have a family. It's not to have a white picket fence. It's not to have a 401k. It's not to have a retirement. It's not to play golf the rest of your life or video games or whatever the case. No, you have one single solitary reason God created you. Uh, created you and that is to please him and how do we do that well the word says it is impossible to please god apart from faith that we are to live by faith well what does the first action of that look like of course is ephesians 2 6 9 right so it makes it very clear right that that um that to come to the lord is not by works but by faith and that he has uh, given us grace to do so which is what happened on the cross right so that's the basic gospel. The Lord extends grace. We respond by faith. The Lord has given everyone a little bit of faith on some level. And what we do with it, it's like a blank check. It depends on where you try and cash that faith. It's like integrity, right? Integrity. Before I get on an airplane, if I kick the tires and I move the, the rudders around and I check the gauges, right? And I find that the integrity of that thing, I can lean into it. That's what pistos means. 
uh, which is the Greek word for faith, to lean into it. I can lean into that and trust it. You see, and this is the same God who created absolutes, you understand? And those absolutes, just like the laws of nature, right? And nature's God, right? Who created those laws, such as gravity. Another great quote from Ravi Zacharias, where he talks about, uh, you know, you can... <laughs> You can get up on a roof and you can tell me all day you're going to jump off that roof and prove to me that gravity doesn't exist. What will end up happening is you'll jump off that roof, you'll break your leg, and not only will you prove gravity exists, you'll be hurt in the process. Now listen to me, pray tell, is the exact same thing that's going to happen whether you believe in God or not when you go against the word of God, the prescription of the word of God, the commandments of the word of God. You will inevitably be hurt by it. Why? Because the same God who created those laws of nature is the same God who created the laws of morality. You understand? And so that therefore, those absolutes don't change just because society changes. You understand? This is where cultural relativism comes in. You'll hear people say, well, you can go to the Philippines and, and uh, have sex with children or Thailand or other various countries where it may be not legal per se, but it's a slap on the wrist, right? They have a huge, unfortunate, disgusting, satanic uh, drive for people to go there for this very thing. And so because of this, we end up having nasty pedophiles that go there and they do this. And what do they do? They come back to America where sure it's highly illegal, right? Or should be more so than it is even now. I think that uh, I believe in the death sentence for this, by the way, and I believe the word of God certainly would give that same uh, ad admonition. Uh, but the point is anyway, nonetheless, okay, that they come back to America and they think to themselves, well, I got away scot-free. Well, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. The God of the Bible who is omnipresent knows exactly what they did. Knows exactly what they did. Now, we don't know why they did it. Only God knows that, mind you. But at the end of the day, and maybe they repent and they give their life to Christ, who knows? Uh, it's between them and God. But I will tell you this much for sure. It didn't change one iota them going to those other countries and coming back to America, whether it's legal or not legal. You understand? There is what's called an ontic in philosophy. They call an ontic referent. That's something outside of uh, earth. Okay? It's outside of time, and it's outside of history, and it's outside of geographical area. That absolute, that unchanging absolute, that which is God. You understand? That same God who has given us the laws of nature that are unchanging and absolute is the same God who has given us that unchanging moral law as well. You understand? And so within this context, as we continue to see society, especially in America, the past 50 years, drift further and further away from these basic ideas. You understand, it's not just the image of God that Satan's after. You see, because Satan hated the fact that we as humans are made in the image of God and the angels are not. He hated the fact that God loves us. He hated the fact that God has given special, um, uh, a special sort of love for us, that he draws us near to him, right? As the word says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. There's not a single solitary person that God desires should go to hell that they can't repent. He says he desires that not even the wicked should perish but come under repentance. That's God's desire. That's, that's God's love. Does that mean that everybody will go to heaven? Absolutely not. There are people who will fight tooth and nail all the way to hell because the gates of hell are locked from the inside. You have to want to go to hell. The Lord reaches out to every person. There will be no excuse on the day of judgment, Matthew 25. Look it up for yourself. 
And so at the end of the day, folks, what we have is a society not only drifting further and further away without a map, but they don't just not only do they not want the map, the word of God, they want to burn it in the streets of Seattle. They want to burn it in the streets of Portland, folks. If that doesn't tell you how far we've gone as society, I don't know what else will. This, of course, leads into the Nazi ideology as well, as they had done in World War II, where they were burning books, burning Bibles, uh, and so forth, and, and, and basically claiming themselves to be God. And this is what it breaks down to, folks. When you get rid of the image of God, you have to claim uh, there's another absolute to some degree in your life. And that usually means what's called relativism. Everybody has their own truth. And this is why you hear relativism so strong. So many different religions teach a relativistic mentality. Satanism teaches relativism um, um, to the degree that it becomes um, not only uh, existentialism, but to the degree which existentialism, basically the Bible would say, eat and drink for tomorrow we die. In other words, do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Live by, you know, the seat of your pants, every compulsive idea you have, go do it. It doesn't matter. There are no rules. There is no morality. Do what you want, which is basically what Anton LaVey and Kenneth Anger and, um, other various Satanists would teach. Of course, uh, uh Anton LaVey and uh, Alistair Crowley and so forth. But anyway, the point is, this is basically what that would teach. Well, the New Age isn't much different, you see. The New Age basically teaches the same thing, which, of course, would make sense because it's it's a derivative of Satanism. Because all religions in the world, folks, I'm sorry to tell you this, John 14 makes it clear, no man comes to the Father, but through the Son, Jesus Christ, not Mary, not Ganesh, not uh, um, Muhammad, not anyone else, right? Once again, we're getting back to absolutes here, but because relativism is snuck in, each and every one of these people have made themselves God. They decided, like the old adage goes, God made us in his image. Man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. So folks, what we have is a society where each person is trying to play God of their own life. And they're basically collectively coming to the same agreement. Well, if we can all play the God of our own life and there is no absolutes and basically we can just do whatever we want in this postmodern uh, world and deny that we're that life is sacred and made in the image of God, which of course goes back to the abortion, um, not issue the abortion satanic worship that's going on. And you go, well, Chris, that's pretty harsh. How do you say that? Well, first of all, I'm not pro-life. Did you hear me? I'm not pro-life. No, not even close. Uh, philosophically, I am an abolitionist. I believe that there should be zero abortion allowed in America. I believe abortion should be completely outlawed. And I believe the word of God demands nothing less than that. Any more than uh, slavery should be and is, thank God, completely outlawed in America. Uh, I believe, why? Because the same reason I believe that um, the uh, child in the womb is made in the image of God, the same reason that they should be set free from the tyranny of the forceps of the Satanist uh, Molech worshiper who's going in and pulling this child out and selling their baby parts and all the other stuff that they do with them is just as important as that slave who we quit whipping 150 years ago and beating uh, uh, and, and treating like absolute garbage. Why? Because they lost the image of God in the sight of society. And this is what's going on now. We have people playing identity politics where they can choose who's made in the image of God and who's not. Where they can choose that they themselves can be selective with who is more important in society. And they can have a sort of a selective... Um, mentality concerning morality and so forth. And this is how we continue to drift as far as we have, folks. It is not an accident. This is why 
that nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness is going to save this country from the tyranny that is about to come upon it in the technic uh, technocratic era is what exactly what we're headed for. Listen to the stuff, the proposals from people like Andrew Yang. I am highly, let's say, afraid but concerned with people like Andrew Yang, who you know is basically, uh, you know, when you listen to him, when your flesh listens to him, he sounds like a great guy. You'll have universal income. Uh, you won't have to work. You'll, you know, if you choose not to, basically, um, you can. Uh, you will be basically controlled by AI, essentially. Um, yeah, all kinds of other weird, weird proposals the technocrats have for us. Anytime you basically hear sustainable development, that's code word for, for technocracy. Let me basically put it that way. But if you're interested in that subject, I, I would recommend looking up Patrick Wood, uh, Technocracy News. You can find him on YouTube or technocracynews.com uh, to look more into that. And I highly uh, recommend you do. But anyway, back to the point. So we have people, as they continue to give up the image of God that which they're made in, they continue to push forward towards this technocratic era, which basically demeans all who were made in the image of God to being nothing more than the equivalent to um, whatever it is you can produce for society is basically what gives you your worth. So in other words, you're only worth as much as you offer society. Well, this comes from Darwinism. It's a basic, basic Darwinistic tenet, which basically says what? The same thing Nazism said, right? Well, you're not the elitist group in society. You're not the the uh, Ubermensch, if you will, or the Uberman or the Superman. You're not uh, made in the image and likeness of their Nazi uh, ideology. Therefore, you're on the out. Well, that's the same thing these technocrats basically believe in the technocratic era that which we're coming into. And you go, Chris, you saw a conspiracy theorist. Hey, don't believe me, man. Uh, you can hear this stuff through everything from the UN to um, uh, uh, smart city development through, um, like I said, Andrew Yang, um, through a lot of various people, uh, including China. Everything you see about China uh, being um, uh, what's now called a... Uh, Oh my gosh, um, i trying to think of the name of that. It's like a, a surveillance society. So most people look at China, they go, oh, it's communism. Eh, it's communism in name only. It's And in, 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 there was a Time magazine. You can, I'm sure you can look it up in the archives. There's a Time magazine. I forget the guy who wrote the piece, but where it talks about that China had pretty much forsaken um, all of uh, communism in as far as a stability mechanism in their economic development, but rather completely changed over to a technocratic society concerning their economic development meaning that they give everything over to computer assessment literally data data hungry uh ai ran uh society so in other words surveillance society that's where that whole aspect comes from of the social credit score and you go we'd never do that in america well friends we already are uh that's how they're going to of course develop and bring into um What's going on? I'm just slipping into a little bit of eschatology here, folks. So don't mind me. I'm, I'm rounding out the end of it here real quick. But anyways, the point is that we'll become more and more of a surveillance society through this whole COVID thing. So basically what they're going to do, and I'm telling you they're going to do it. It's inevitable at this point unless we say something or do something. And once again, this all comes from losing the image of God because you're not worth any more than the society's worth puts on you. 
And that goes back to, of course, our Constitution, which says you have inalienable rights. You were made in the image of God, and those rights at which you were given did not come from the government, but came from God. Well, if they came from God, the government has no way of taking them from you. Do you understand? The only way the government can take something from you is if the government gives something to you, including your rights. Well, once again, folks, according to the Constitution, your rights did not come from the government. Therefore, they cannot be taken away by the government. You understand? That's why our Constitution is so important. We go, well, why did you, why did you slip back to that, Chris? What's that about? Well, the point is, to the point that I was just making before that, concerning a surveillance state. When they continue to push this COVID-19 stuff, what's eventually going to happen, folks, with the, the contact tracing, with your cell phone, with your smart TVs, with all this other stuff is basically connected to a giant data network. To which, to the degree that we become more and more over time a surveillance society. Meaning they can pretty much find you anytime they want. They'll know where you're at anytime they want. Uh, you don't believe me? You don't think this is possible? Draconian measures? Just look at uh, Victoria, Australia. Google Victoria, Australia and COVID and see what they're doing there. Uh, lockdowns. You can't leave your house for more than one hour a day. Uh, you have to have a mask on in your house, outside of your house. What do you think this behavior modification is about, folks? That's what technocrats do. You understand? It's a behavior modification system to develop an economic system that benefits only the engineers at top. Now, we'll get back into that later. But the point is, basically, folks, when you break it down, if we held to, once again, made in the image of God, if we held to what the Word of God says, that a man should have dignity in his work. He doesn't just receive money. The word says a man does not work, should not eat. If we held to the word of God, that makes it very clear that it's one man and one woman, right? That that you can't, uh, that God created a man and a woman. He didn't create, I'm sorry, folks, he didn't create a transgender. There's no confusion. God is not the God of confusion. That's Satan, all right, in his demonic work. But if we're not busy screaming from the rooftops the word of God, Right, And the goodness that comes from obeying and the obedience of the Word of God. If we're not out there telling people about the life transformation that happens when you obey the Word of God by faith and walk by faith because the Lord loves you and He loves you and wants you to obey the Word as an absolute, not as when I feel like it. And this isn't to be mean or to take away from the organic relationship that we all carry with, with our, our loving, awesome Abba Father, but rather just to remind us of how important and what a blessing it is to obey the word of God in the midst of a relativistic society that would love nothing more than to drag us off in the zeitgeist of the satanic era and drag us off into its relativistic thinking. But if we hold fast to the word of God like a boon in the sea as the rest of this world continues to drift away as our one and only map, we're going to make it home, folks, to those shores and wash up on shore, just like, uh, I love this quote, and I'll leave you guys with this. We hold fast to these absolutes, folks. If we hold fast to the Word of God, one day we'll wash up on those shores, and Jesus will be standing there with angels, and and you'll see, you'll see somebody roll up on shore. It was Rich Mullins that talked about this, by the way. He says it, of course, much better than I can. But we'll roll up on those shores, beat up and tore up, barely recognizable, scars, maybe even head to toe. Maybe we were martyred before we got home. Maybe we went through some tough times before we got home. But you see, much like the sweater that the Irish wife 
of the sailor would sew for her husband. She would, you understand, she would put little charms inside of this sweater. And those little charms inside of the sweater were specific to her husband and specific to her so that if only the recognizable thing on him was those charms that he rolled up on the shore with, she would know it was her husband. You see, folks, when we roll up on that shore before the Lord and his angels, one fine day, he'll say, that one's mine, scarred, beaten up as we are. How will he know? The Holy Spirit, folks, the Holy Spirit that we that dwells within us, that brought us all the way home. Hold fast to those absolutes, folks, of the Word of God. Hold fast and obey like your life depended on it. Because, folks, I don't mean your life in the sense of, of your physical life. Because we're getting to the point, who knows, in the next couple months, next couple years, we may lose our life for Jesus. But he who loses his life for Christ finds it. So let's hold steadfast to the word and obey by faith. The absolutes, the fact that we're made in the image of God in a society that has forsaken both. Let us rather forsake sin and march on good soldiers in Christ Jesus. This has been Christopher Wright for his namesake. I hope this has been a blessing to you. If it has, please feel free to donate if you can at all. Um, um, whatever you can give, folks, definitely helps. Um, um, especially, um, in these kind of unknown days, you know, um, the Lord lays it on your heart, uh, not of compulsion, but with joy. Um, the Lord leads you to it. Um, there's a tab on here. You can donate if you so choose. So may the Lord bless you. Thank you and praise God for you. May I see you on the other side. Maranatha. God bless. Bye.